Hola, you're listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to live in the middle of a developing tourism town? Sounds great, right? Well, it doesn't come without challenges. Like most people listening, I had a steady job, lots of stress, worked my ass off so I could enjoy vacations. One day, I came to the realization that I needed to embed myself into a vacation permanently, so that's what I did. Now my home is San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua. It's a small town on the Pacific coast with a population of about 15,000 people. I have a small sailboat charter business which pays the bills and leaves a bit left over to cover my habits. And even though we call it paradise, Nicaragua is still a third world country. So picture this, 36-year-old Texas guy and his two trusty Labradors are transplanted into a developing country and they're trying their hardest not to stick out like sore thumbs. These are the stories of what life is like, some good, some bad, but all entertaining. So sit back, relax, and live vicariously through me for about the next 30 or 45 minutes. And I promise you, this stuff can't be made up. It has been a muddy mess in San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua in the last couple weeks. It's been raining almost every night, but we are approaching the end of rainy season. It's starting to slow down, and when it stops, it'll stop for a long time. Then everyone will complain about how there's no rain. I don't think I will, though. Like fighting dogs and the mud and tracking mud in the house and mud on the porch. Kind of looking forward to that ending, I'll be honest. And Ronnie and I have been some pig wrangling sons of guns in the mud. So the pigs have now learned to escape, and they love doing it. I'm pretty much under the impression, though, that they only escape when they get hungry. And so the solution to that is just keep giving them food. So I told Ronnie, I said, man, feed them, and whenever they eat, they'll go to sleep, and when they wake up, give them a little bit more. And so that's what we're doing. It's, it seemed to cut down the number of pig escapes but for a while there well I think the record was seven times in two days and I'd be sitting outside on the back porch or in the hammock and I'd look up and I'd see a pig just run across making like pig sounds and then Ronnie chasing it I tried to explain to him I said the more you chase them the more they're gonna run just stop and just go put food in their pen that was my idea anyway so that's what I did and it worked they'll go back into the pen if you just go in there make a bunch of sounds like you're getting food and put some food down. And I also have a dog named Bentley that is not scared to bite a pig on the face. One of the times when they were loose, she was out meandering around. And Bronco heads for the hills, man. The pigs get out, he gets away. He doesn't want anything to do with them. 
he's not quite confident enough in his own dog masculine ability to, to deal with the pressure of animals that can't communicate with you and you can't communicate with them. So he heads to the house, kind of watches everything unfold. Bentley stays right up in it, though. She wants to be wherever I am doing whatever I'm doing. So I saw two pigs approach her, one from each side. And she's standing there in typical Bentley fashion, just showing every possible tooth she can possibly show at one time. Trying to tell these pigs, I don't know you. You don't know me. You guys are weird. You don't look normal. Stay away. Well, pigs don't speak dog and dogs don't speak pig. So I was just sitting there watching this whole thing unfold. And I thought any minute now, she's going to snap at one of these pigs. And sure enough, about that time, wham, she turned, snapped, and latched onto one of them to snout. And when she did, every animal turned and ran the opposite direction. So it was three animals all face-to-face, two pigs, one dog. Bentley turns, latches onto a snout, and the pigs each turn and run the opposite direction as Bentley. And I had to sit there and just laugh because something like that is what will win you $10,000 on America's Funniest Home Videos, which... I'm going to rant about that just for a second. I think it's pretty ridiculous that they haven't kept up with inflation. They're giving away the same $10,000 now that they gave away 20 years ago. Someone needs to call them on that. Same thing with Jeopardy. I see you, Jeopardy. And Wheel of Fortune. You guys aren't keeping up with inflation. I guess they're the smart ones, though. But back to the pigs. We seem to have them under control now. They don't try to get out as often. But when they do, I just kind of let them hang around because they're not going to go far. They got food. They got water here. But it definitely stresses old Ronnie out. He likes to get him back in that pen ASAP. It took a little bit of teaching. I had to explain to him, you can't just run them down and chase them in there. You, you got to let them just do it on their own accord. I said, if you were trying to get a pretty lady back to your house, you wouldn't just run at her all aggressively and try to chase her in the front door. You'd walk in there and you'd talk real sweet to her and you'd lead her in there. So that's what we're doing with the pigs. Seems to be working. One thing that Ronnie's really concerned about with the pigs is that they'll get stung by a scorpion. And I'm no veterinarian, but I would think that a pig's skin is thick enough and strong enough that a scorpion couldn't make much of an impact on the life of a pig. Ronnie seems to think that a scorpion sting will stop a pig in his tracks and kill it dead on the spot. And although there's no scientific proof, I think I'm right. I don't think a scorpion would phase a pig, unless they have some crazy allergy they don't know about. But I figured I would have heard that by now. Yeah, I think sometimes these guys just, uh, you know, they hear what they've heard from generation to generation. They didn't grow up learning things about animals in school or ag class or Google. They just know what they've been told. And another example of that is Ronnie came down with a virus called chikungunya. Chikungunya is similar to a virus called dengue, which when you catch it, it makes your joints ache. You get a fever. You get a headache. You get kind of dehydrated. And everyone knows that dengue is carried by mosquitoes. Well, chikungunya is a relatively new virus down here. So a lot of the Nika families aren't really sure where it comes from. But I was pretty sure that I knew that it came from mosquitoes. And so the other day when Felipe showed up, he had heard that Ronnie left early and went to the doctor. And he was sick and he was asking me, why did what happened to Ronnie? I said, oh, I think he thinks he has chicken gunyan. He's like, oh yeah, okay. And then I asked him if he'd ever had dengue. And he said, no, never had dengue or chicken gunya. And I explained to him that, you know, dengue is from mosquitoes and so is chicken gunya. 
And he said, no, no, chikungunya is not from mosquitoes. I said, yeah, Felipe, I'm pretty sure it is. It's a virus that gets passed from one person to the next. He's like, no. I said, well, where does it come from? He's like, I don't know, but it's not mosquitoes. So I had to go Google it. And this time I was right and Felipe was wrong. So in the overall tally, it's like Felipe 12, Brandon 2, I think. But who's counting? And speaking of Felipe, something funny kind of recently happened. Well, it's what I call uh, like a Nika expectations, kind of what I expected to happen. So I got a message from a girl in town that's teaching basic English to Nicaraguan guys or girls for that matter. And so she sent out a message to gringos that have Nicaraguan people that work for them and said, hey, I'm starting basic English. Um, but here's the price. It's like $25 a month per student if anyone would like to send their guys. So I told Ronnie and Felipe and Ismail that if all three of them wanted to go to English classes, I'd be glad to pay for it. Ismail and Ronnie were dead set, man. They were sold. They wanted to do it, which surprised me. I figured that Felipe would be the one to want to do it. So I told Felipe about it, and he goes, okay. And I went through the instructions on where to go, what time to meet, what time class was, all that. In the meantime, the girl who's teaching the class is saying, hey, um, can you go ahead and pay for them? And my response was, no, I'm not paying for anybody until they show up. Because you know as well as I do, it's very likely that not all three of them would show up for class. And sure enough, only Ronnie and Ismail showed up. And I asked Felipe, I said, man, how come you didn't go to class? You, you decided you didn't want to do it? And he goes, oh, you know, I really appreciate it, but I can't. I have to feed the farm animals around my house. You know, he's got chickens and pigs and goats and cows. I said, but it's only an hour a day. He said, yeah, but I just, I can't do it. I'm sorry. And I don't know why, but for whatever reason, he didn't want to go. A lot of the guys don't like to go because they feel intimidated because they're so bad at speaking English, but... You got to learn at some point, but that's kind of the typical thing that I expected from one of them was to, you know, they won't tell you right up front. They'll just tell you, yes, 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 they can do it. Yes, they'll be there. Yes, they'll go. Thank you. They're very appreciative. And then they don't show up. And had Felipe not had to come work at the house, he probably would have never told me why, never told me he wasn't going. It would just be the end of it. And once again, it goes back to their culture. But I'm trying to slowly teach them that they'll come out ahead if they don't do things that way. The other day, I got a message from my buddy Corey from back in Texas. He asked about what life is like here beyond the party scene. Because San Juan del Sur has kind of gotten a reputation for a wild, drunken backpacker party town. And it's deservingly so. The, The way that these tourism towns work, at least from what I've seen in Central America, is when they're first discovered, it's by surfers. And so these surfers go there. They look for places that are really cheap with good surfing. That's their two main priorities. And when they find that, they start going there and they tell their friends and other people go about it. So it's always still undeveloped country. It's always not pristine. Prices are really cheap. So then the next wave of tourism tends to be the backpackers. And these are mainly Europeans, but also some Canadians and some scattered-in Americans, but not very many. And so the backpackers come in, and all they care about is partying and being cheap. And so right now, San Juan del Sur is kind of, I think, at the peak 
of the backpacker party mode. I think now there's more white collar people. There's more ecotourism. There's another demographic of people that want to come here. And so every time you step up from one demographic to the next, prices go up. Now, one thing that I'm not real certain about, and I used to think that San Juan del Sur was going to be the next Tamarindo, Costa Rica, which went through that exact same growth cycle. Surfers, backpackers, and then white collar. Sometimes you'll get a small amount of growth between the backpackers and the white collar. You get some budget-minded families that are coming to experience culture and don't want to spend a ton of money. But I'm not sure if San Juan del Sur can, it, can achieve the growth that Tamarindo did and, and the rest of Costa Rica, for that matter. Uh, it's just because the infrastructure here is, is lacking so much. We'll see. Time will tell. But the, I think the prices of real estate are falsely elevated. I think you can pick up good deals if you're willing to wait it out. But to run out and buy something, you're going to pay more than what it's worth. You see houses that sit on the market for two years, and that tells me that the prices are out of line. So where we're at now in San Juan del Sur is the peak of what I believe is the backpacker surge. And we're seeing the shift now just from our clientele. You know, we used to take backpackers out on the boat because we didn't have a choice. Our price had to be so low that we would get the backpackers because if we raised our prices, we wouldn't have any customers. Well, now, since we started here, we've raised our price 50%. And we have no more backpackers in all of our clientele is the white-collar people that have full-time careers in the States, and they have real jobs, and they come down here, and they got a little bit of money. And so that's kind of where we're at. I don't know where it's going to go from here. But to answer Corey's question about what life is like after the party, so there's plenty of people that live here with families, spouses, whatever, that are expats, you know, gringos, Canadians, whatever, and they can carve out a pretty good life for themselves. It's, it's, it's all up to you. It depends on how much you want to work, what you want to do, and what kind of risks you want to take. But the, the community is here. There's a good solid group of probably 30 to 40 couples that all have young kids, um, ages 7 and under. And they all kind of run around together. They, they hang out together. Uh, there's a private school and a little development called Finca Las Nubes. And the school has grown quite a bit. From what I hear, everyone loves it. You know, I don't know anything about it. I've never looked into it. But... The parents that are here with their kids seem to be really happy with it. They also tend to stick together and they carry on traditions that would be found back home that are not found here. So, you know, on Halloween, I talked about it a little bit, but there's no trick-or-treating here. Kids don't get dressed up. Well, the gringo parents want their kids to experience that just like they did. So they still do. Like the little gringo kids get dressed up. They go into town and they go trick-or-treating in all the businesses that are run by other gringos. So they still get their own way to experience that, which they wouldn't otherwise get to do. And I think that's largely due to all the gringos that are here that want to see their traditions carried on. Another thing that's nice about having kids here is that you can have help. Like you can have a full-time live-in nanny if you wanted to, if that's your thing, for $300 a month, 250 to 300 bucks a month. And she's going to teach your kids Spanish. She's going to look after him when you go do whatever you want to do. If you want to go on vacation, you can take them with you. It works out pretty well. Almost all of my friends here that have kids have a nanny. Not all of them are live-in, but I think all of them have a nanny of some sort that will come and you know babysit your kids at any given time. They'll also cook you dinner. 
They'll do your grocery shopping, all that, for one low price of $300. Now, there's a trade-off. There's a lot of things that your kids aren't going to get here that they would get in the States. They're not going to get to go to museums or plays, anything like that. But in my mind, the good outweigh the bad here. So I would rather my kid be able to come, experience this place, live on the ocean, have a lot of free time, learn to do cool stuff in exchange for all the conveniences of the first world. I say that now, who knows what will happen if I ever have a kid. And speaking of conveniences, last week I went without internet for I think 48 hours, which doesn't sound like too much. But that's the way I listen to music. That's the way I communicate with people. That's the way I watch anything on TV or Netflix. I don't have a TV that I use, so everything is online. And so it was out for 48 hours. And it's one of those things to where I will admit that it's getting easier to go without internet as time goes on. When I first got here and the internet would go out, oh, man, I'd be losing my mind like an hour, two hours. But here, I'll just go grab a book and sit and read. But one thing that's funny is that no one really knows why the internet goes out. So the other day when I came home, there was no internet. I called the property manager and I said, hey, um, internet's out. And naturally, before he tries to look into anything, he just says, oh, well, I saw him doing some work on a, on a tower in town, so it'll, it'll be back on. He's right about the it'll be back on part. But you never know. There could be something here at the house that's causing it to have gone bad. So I wait a few hours and I call him and I said, hey, what's the story with the internet? And he said, man, uh, they, they almost have the tower fixed. It'll be fixed and then it'll be back on. And I said, okay. So they don't need to come to the house. He said, no, nope, no, nope, they don't need to come to the house. So I said, okay. So I leave the house and as I'm driving out, I get down this dirt road. I see like a flatbed truck with some ladders on it. And I thought, man, I wonder if that's the internet guys going to my house. So I said, no, he said, they're not coming here. So the next day I wake up. Internet's still not working. I call him. I said, hey, man, what's the deal with the internet? He said, oh, they came to your house last night, but you weren't there. And I said, I know, because you told me I didn't need to be here. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, they need to come fix it. (laughs) And I just said, okay, well, I'm here now, so send them. And then, you know, an hour later, they show up. But it just blew my mind that, you know, they'll tell you, no, no, you don't need to be here. And they won't call you and say, yep, you you know what, you need to be there. They're coming over. They just expect the people are home around the house all day. But just like everything else, that also has a flip side. So if I need a plumber or an electrician or a guy that deals in the water tanks, I can have somebody here within 30 minutes because people are so hungry for work. It's the big companies that don't care. But these little like mom and pop guys, man, they will do anything. If they, as long as the guys come to you, but when you have to go to them and like, convince them that that they should come work for you, it's not going to get done. My friend Jessica is opening up a bikini shop in town. She's making and selling swimsuits. And so there's a man right outside her front door who sells fresh coconut water. And so for about 70 cents, he takes a fresh coconut, chops the top off, sticks a straw in it, hands it to you. And you get 10 ounces or so of fresh coconut water. But over the years, we've seen him kind of grow his little business. So he used to just carry around like a cooler and have three or four coconuts in it 
And when he'd sell out, he'd have to run and go buy more and come back. He didn't have enough to keep a stock. And then he got a little cart that he could push around. It was basically like a wheelbarrow. And he'd, keep, he'd be able to keep a few more coconuts in it. Then he got a big cart that had a gigantic cooler on it so he could keep his coconuts cold. And all this is the price has been going up every time he makes a move. I remember when I first started buying them, there were 10 cords apiece, which was less than 50 cents. About 35 cents, actually. But now they're 20, so his price has doubled. That's been about three years, four years. And he's got a fancy-looking cart. But on the top, he created like a little shade canopy. But he used old, like, corrugated tin and just kind of pieced it together. Like, it doesn't look, doesn't look all that spiffy. So what Jessica's going to do, she's going to have a canvas canopy built to go over the top of his little coconut water stand. And this whole thing's mobile. It's got wheels on it. He can still push it around. But she's going to put her bikini company logo on it and some little funny phrase because he's always right outside of her door. So it would be beneficial to both of them. She can advertise and it helps him have some shade. So we set out to find a guy that can make the canopy. We're looking for someone that makes awnings, like the canvas awnings that overhang buildings and windows. So we went to a little store in town and we asked him, who made your canopy? They said, "Um, go to the auto mechanic shop. There's a guy there that works in refrigeration. It's his nephew that makes them. So he said, okay. So we go to the auto mechanic shop. So I'm looking for this guy, Jose Sanchez. Oh, yeah, he lives over by the baseball field. Okay, where? Well, we can't really tell you because we don't use addresses in this country. So we'll go with you. So the refrigeration repair guy hops in the truck. We go to this little neighborhood find the house, walk in the door, interrupt this man's lunch, and propose to him to come build a canopy over the coconut water push cart. He seems excited, shows us a bunch of pictures, shows us some samples, and said, okay, I can be there at 5 o'clock to take the measurements. He said, okay, we'll see you at 5 o'clock. So 5 o'clock rolls around, and the coconut water man also normally packs up around 3.30, 4 o'clock and goes home. So 5 o'clock rolls around, I pull up, coconut water man's gone, and the canopy man doesn't show up. I think he finally showed up at like 6.30, and Jessica told him to come back tomorrow at 11, and the guy will be there. So sure enough, he came back at 11. All the necessary measurements were taken. Now it's just a waiting game to see. I'll be surprised if it's done within four weeks. That's just my guess. But the whole point of this story was that when you, go, when you have to go chase somebody down and drag them somewhere to get a project started, it never goes smoothly. But when you need someone just to come to your house and do it, normally they're Johnny on the spot. And I'm not sure exactly why that is, but it's definitely, it's definitely the case. Just like the pig injector man. That dude shows up looking to eject some pigs about once a week. I've been turning him away. Today I saw him on the road and he stopped me. His side job is swinging a machete. So he's like cut all the grass on the entire hill. And so he said, hey, can I come inject the pigs? I said, yeah, you can come inject the pigs. It's been a good five weeks. So he's hungry for work, man. It's hard to turn him down. But the poor pigs have been injected to death. While we're on the topic of pigs... Those sons of guns are starting to eat me out of house and home. I imagine they weigh about 150, 160 pounds a piece. 
and they're eating a bunch of food. So the other day I was at Pali, which is the local grocery store, and I saw them pulling out old vegetables out of the produce and putting them in a bin. And so I asked the guy, I said, what are you going to do with those? Are you going to throw them away? He goes, yeah, yeah, we're going to throw them away. I said, man, can I take them to feed them to my pigs? And he just kind of looked at me. He's like, you have pigs? And I go, yeah, I got four of them. He said, oh, um, let me go ask the manager. And I knew, I knew right away the answer was going to be no. So about five minutes later, the guy comes back. He goes, no, I'm sorry, we can't give them to you. And I said, why not? What are you going to do with them? He goes, we're going to throw them away. I said, well, why not give them to me? He goes, I don't know. That's just what my boss said. And it just blows my mind that they're not motivated enough to have a reason for me. It's just no. So that tells me that they don't expect me to question why the answer is no, which, once again, is just a huge cultural difference. But any person in the States, unless they knew the answer, would probably say, well, why? Or at least they would wonder. And the person that comes back to respond to the question about taking the produce home would have an answer as to why they couldn't do it. And I just thought it was funny here that it's just no. The answer is just no, because I said so. Sometimes I feel like a little kid again. I'm like, why, 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 why? And they're like, no, no, because, because I said so, because I said so. And they probably get so sick of me asking why. But that's not going to change. That's ingrained in my little brain. I've got a residency update. I received a call the other day from an unknown number, and typically I don't answer unknown numbers. My cell phone here rings once every four or five days. And it's normally Zach or Emily or a couple other friends. And so if I don't know the number, I don't answer it. Because what they do, they like, they'll call you and just blast a recording, like a sales pitch for the cell phone company. They send me six or seven text messages a day trying to promote something. I just hope they see that I delete every single one of them without even reading them. Anyway, the phone rings. It's a lady from immigration. And she was asking me, is this Scotty Hopper? And I said, yep, this is Brandon Harper. And she said, we'd like to come visit your house because part of the immigration process for the residency is they come visit your house, do a little interview. So she calls, says, okay, I need to come to your house. I go, okay, when? Thinking it'd be like tomorrow. She's like, um, how about one o'clock? And it, right this time it's like 12.15. I go, okay, like in 45 minutes? She goes, yeah. I said, okay, do you know how to get here? She goes, no, you have to come get me. And I said, okay. And she goes, oh, call me back. I don't have any minutes on my phone. And hangs up. So I call her back, and we get everything sorted out. She tells me where to pick her up. I drive into town, pick her up, and it's the same lady that does all of our immigration stuff for the boat whenever we check out, go to Costa Rica, and come back. So she recognized me, comes back to the house, sits down, interviews me, just ask some basic questions. How long have I been coming here? You know, who all do I know? What do I do for fun? Just different stuff. So we get everything wrapped up. And I needed three witnesses, three Nicaraguan citizens, people from Nicaragua that would testify that I was a good person. So my three people were Ronnie, Ismail, and my friend Gretchen, who works for us on a subcontract basis dealing with all the government agencies that we don't want to deal with. So I thought that was pretty funny. Like, Ronnie and Ismail have only known me six or seven months, but they're willing to go to bat for me, so it made me feel good. But the funny thing is, I took her back into town, and she uh, pulled up in front of her house, which is where I picked her up, 
And she goes, oh, no, no, no. I need to go all the way into town because we were still like a little bit outside of town. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, where do you want me to drop you off? And so she gave me directions that it was some, some laundry place or something like that. And so we pull up. She goes, I'll be right back. And she runs in, grabs a bag. I guess it's clothes. Comes back out, gets back in the truck, and I'm like, oh, I thought we were done. She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I just need to go one more place. <laughs> so then I took her somewhere else, and then I took her home. And I asked her, I said, how many of these residencies do you do a month? And she said, oh, 10 to 15. And I just look at her and go, so there's really no need for you to have a car, huh? And she just looked at me and started laughing and said, no, <laughs> I get all my running around done like this. And I said, that's, that's not too bad of an idea. But I thought it was funny. Was like, no car. Her employer doesn't pay for her cell phone minutes, so she was out. So I had to use mine to communicate with her. But we got it all done. She said it will be submitted to the office, and then we will wait because they're still going through changes. Okay, I think that's going to wrap up today's program. I appreciate you listening to Life in Paradise podcast. Check out our website, nikasaleandsurf at gmail.com. If you ever have any questions about what it's like down here, send them our way, surf at gmail.com. I would like to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. Keep it tranquilo. Tranquilo.